your job is to get it of the way so that people can see Jesus. And I think that is the mission of the church, is to be the body of Christ in such a way that people don't see us. They see Jesus, they see his body being given for the life of the world, uh, to set people free, to heal the sick, to redeem those who are lost, to set the captives free. That's what Jesus does, that's what he's always done. He's still doing it today here in Canada, in Kamloops, in Chilliwack, and, uh, and we want to be a part of it. Welcome back to the Canloops Alliance Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor at the church and the host of the podcast as well. It's such a privilege to be welcomed into your life, whether you are picking up the kids right now, making dinner, or working out. Thanks for bringing us along and into your life. We hope that these conversations help bring perspective and make you think about the important things in life, like Jesus, faith, culture, leadership, discipleship, and mission. We've heard such great feedback on this season as we've invited amazing guests on. I'd encourage you to go back to the first three episodes of this season and listen in as we talked with Brent Dolfo, Dave Hearn, and Marine College. In episode four, I'm so pleased to introduce you to Father Matthew Francis. As we will discuss, Father Matthew and I met on a retreat this summer and hit it off. Father Matthew is a caring parish priest and a really thoughtful student of scripture, theology, and church history. It's safe to say that we nerded out this summer together. Oftentimes, we get so stuck in our own tradition as Christians. We know a lot and feel comfortable about our own theology and ministry, but honestly, we often feel confused and even hesitant about other Christian traditions like maybe Catholicism or, in this case, Orthodoxy or the Orthodox Church. Let me tell you about Father Matthew. Father Matthew is a, like I said, is a local parish priest and is the founding parish priest of Holy Apostles Orthodox Church in Chilliwack, BC. Prior to planting Holy Apostles in 2015, he served Orthodox parishes in Edmonton, rural Alberta, and Whitehorse, Yukon. Father Matthew is a graduate of Ambrose University and the University of Manchester, where his research focused on the themes of sacred space and place and of the book of Revelation. In addition to his pastoral work, he also serves as regional director for BC and Yukon with the Canadian Bible Society, where he encourages and supports pastors and communities to dig deeper in their engagement with the scriptures. Matthew lives in Chilliwack with his wife, Krista, and teenage son, Basil. In this episode, we discuss the similarities and differences between Protestant evangelicalism and Orthodox thought and theology. Father Matthew, as I said, is knowledgeable, but also so pastoral, as we have important conversations like this that build bridges and link arms instead of more confusion and caricature. So I'm excited for you to listen in as you get brought up to speed on the unique history and beauty of the Orthodox Church. Enjoy. Again, welcome everybody to Kamloops Alliance Church podcast. Uh, I'm with uh, right now a good friend of mine, Father Matthew. It's a privilege that you would be on the podcast. Thanks for jumping on with me. Uh, would love just to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. Everything from vocation to family, location. You have the floor. Introduce us to you. Thank you so much, Chris. It is awesome to be here with you and. Uh with the good people of Kamloops Alliance Church. So thank you, brother, yeah. 
Appreciate it. Um, my name is Father Matthew Francis. I am a priest in the Orthodox Church. Uh, I live in Chilliwack, British Columbia with my wife, Krista, uh, spelled K-R-I-S-T-A, just like your wife, Krista. Just like, yeah, and, yes. And um, we live with our son, Basil, in Chilliwack. We've been there since 2015. Uh, I actually grew up in Chilliwack. However, we came back in 2015 to plant the Holy Apostles Orthodox uh, mission. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so Father Matthew and I uh, met each other this summer. It was a retreat hosted by the Canadian Church Leaders Network. Big shout out to the Canadian Church Leaders Network. Uh, such a great organization, bringing people of all different stripes and traditions together uh, to bring health to the church in Canada. So uh, check them out, of course. Um, but yeah, we met on a retreat. We 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 suffered, didn't we, Matthew? We, we suffered uh, together as we went to Malibu Camp and Conference Center on the Sunshine Coast. It was a rough few days, wasn't it? Oh, it was it was so so tough. Uh, it was so hard. But no, it was it was beautiful. It was. I mean, it's got to be one of the most beautiful beautiful places in the world. And um, yeah, the, the Canadian Church Leaders Network. I mean, they just are doing such amazing work for the kingdom of God. And I got to meet you. Yeah. So that was awesome. And so that, that's the partnership. That's the friendship. Um, Father Matthew and I just kind of nerded out together for a few days and talked uh, theology and church history together. And uh, when I, I think it was on the boat ride back when I just said, I have to get you on the podcast. I want people to hear uh, just your thought as we mine your tradition, uh, your upbringing, and just such a unique perspective in the kingdom of God that we can get so myopic in our own little box of or piece of the pie or the piece of the kingdom. Uh, and so I just was so thrilled that you uh, said yes to come on and just to introduce us evangelicals to orthodoxy and your history and all that stuff. So let's get into a little bit more, uh, Father Matthew. Tell us about your church upbringing um, as far as your your faith development and formation. Yeah, so I had the amazing blessing to go grow up in a, a, a loving Christian home. My mom and dad were super involved in the life of the church and the church was always just like uh, an extension of that. It was always just a, like an extension of our home. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of love in the house. And church was just that Godward expression of that. And we were totally committed. <laughs> we I actually did not grow up in the Orthodox Church that I serve in. Now I grew up in um, uh, the Wesleyan Church in Ontario, and then later in the Church of the Nazarene when we moved to BC. And that's, you know... Uh, shares a lot of the same DNA with the Christian Missionary Alliance, right? So yes. that's uh, the holiness movement, uh, all of that good stuff. And so, you know, I grew up in the Chilliwack Church of the Nazarene my whole life, all through school, yeah. uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night. You know, if the church doors were open and the lights were on, we were there. Awesome. And, and uh, had a lot of amazing, loving people. It was a small church. It was not a not a not like a cool church. It was just like a loving church and they loved cool. God. And um, that's where I experienced the gospel. So, you know... Um, I probably grew up singing all the same Sunday school songs as you did, yeah. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. So, so uh, we share all that um, that gift mm -hmm. of all that background, and and so those are my roots. I'm really, really grateful for them. I I did uh, end up going to 
what is now Ambrose University, uh, which will be familiar to your KAC yeah. community, yes, uh, which was then the old Canadian Nazarene College. And um, it was actually during that time that I kind of encountered the Orthodox Church a little before and, and through that time. So, um, you know, it's all part of that spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. But, but those are the roots that I have, and I'm mm. immensely grateful for them. And I feel like they've they've brought me to where I am now and had a lot of encouragement, mentorship uh, in ministry and mm-hmm. just in life with God uh, from that, that upbringing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, but there's obviously a switch, you know, you, you, you grew up in, in these faith traditions and these environments. Now you find yourself as an Orthodox priest. And so, I mean, tell the listener, um, the, that change and that transformation that ended up happening, what, what drew you to orthodoxy? Um, because obviously something happened. So lead us yeah. through that that change for you. Yeah. So like I think that that calling to serve the Lord was with me from a pretty early age. Like I remember as a as a young 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 kid committing my life to Christ and um, how powerful that experience was. And I think even from being a little kid, I I loved the sense that we could give our whole lives to God. Mm. And so cool. that calling, I think, to serve him was was with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a young person, I saw people doing ministry in that context. And I thought there is nothing better than this. Wow. You get to love Jesus and share that life with others. And there's there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's the greatest. And so um, over time, however, I did encounter... This strange thing in Canada, because like it's not, we'll talk about it. It's not very well known, yeah. especially in BC. Yeah. Um, but I encountered the Orthodox Church first as a little kid looking in National Geographic magazine, seeing the monasteries of Mount Athos in Greece, and maybe some of the listeners have seen those pictures of those those monasteries hanging on the sides of those cliff sides, and and I just thought, wow, like those were built like a thousand years ago. How did that even exist? Right. As a little kid, I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And um, then as a teenager later on, uh, you know, I got connected in with a group of friends that were really serious about their faith. And we got really um, um, inspired, I guess, by the Holy Spirit as like a teenager. And we were digging into our faith more and more. And, um, you know, um, I shared a little bit of that that journey with um, uh, Jason Ballard on the Church Leaders podcast, which was... Uh, my parents gave me a book by John Wesley when I was 15 years old instead of a snowboard, which I wanted. So that, so, that tells you a little yeah. bit what was going on. Yeah, exactly. And I think once I kind of like calmed down a little bit, I, I was like, whoa, what in the world is this? And so John Wesley, as you know, like, I mean, his heart was totally uh, aflame with love for God. His heart had been transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually through reading John Wesley that I ended up kind of encountering the early church fathers. Right. And then I was like, whoa, there's this whole ocean mm-hmm. of tre- spiritual treasure out here that I had no clue existed. And um, when I was 18 years old and I was in Calgary, I wandered into a little Orthodox church mm. um, and I heard them singing uh, at the that little church uh, Psalm 104. It was a Saturday evening. I walked into that place, and Psalm 104 is that glorious hymn of to God for creation, for all that is created, for everything that the Lord made. 
And that refrain in that psalm is glory to you, O Lord, who have created all. Wow. In wisdom, you have created all things. And the, you know, the melody of that hymn just hit me. Mm. And, and I was like, I'm home. I'm spiritually home. This is it. Wow. And I, and it was not like, uh, it was not a, um, outwardly impressive, uh, place yeah yeah but 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 the holy spirit was there mm-hmm. god's presence was there mm-hmm. i knew that mm-hmm. and i walked home with that melody in my head it took me a long time to actually come into the orthodox church after that yeah but the lord was was had planted something in and it's actually the i think the culmination of a lot of gifts from my evangelical upbringing because the Samuel story from the Old Testament was huge for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Samuel as a young boy is going to serve uh, in the temple, you know, his mother commits him to the Lord and then he's serving the old priest and he hears the, the voice of God yeah. in the middle of the night calling his name and he thinks it's the priest, but no, no, it was the Lord and he's calling him. Yeah. And what does he say at the end? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I remember as a kid growing up and saying, you know, Lord, I want to have that same kind of heart. Mm, mm. That if you're speaking to me, I want to listen. I want to follow. I want to obey. Yeah. And it was it was like undeniable, Chris, that this was where the Lord was leading me. Mm. And so <laughs> I, I, I took all the good gifts and all the obedience I had from, from growing up and all the gifts I'd received yeah. and said, okay, Lord, I don't know what this looks like. I don't even know necessarily where I'm going, but I had spent an, uh, quite a bit of time looking into this path and it was very clear that this was where the Lord wanted me to go. Yeah. And and that if I didn't go down that road, I would actually be basically uh disobedient yeah. to God's calling in my life. So right. I was like, nope, I'm I have decided to follow Jesus. Yes. No turning back. <laughs> yes. And, and so that's that's um how I came to the Orthodox Church and that calling to serve was then sort of reaffirmed. Yeah, right. Um, so I moved to Edmonton. I met my wife. I um, was actually received into the uh, Orthodox Church there um, in the early 2000s. And then I had really laid down any hopes of ordained ministry because I, I just didn't want to like push myself forward. I wanted to like just be yeah. and just try to be faithful. And I remember our priest, uh, Father Alexander, coming to me and I had already, I studied theology over in England and stuff after, after um, university. And I, I came back and, and the priest came to me and said, look, uh, we haven't had a Bible study in this church for 20 years. He said, so you're going to do that. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, I didn't really feel like I had much of a choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I, I was being voluntold. Yes, this is what this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, and so he said, "I'll be there. It'll be okay. It'll be fine." And so I was like, "Okay, I'm doing this now." And and we started that um, Bible study, and that was my first foray, you know, once again into serving the Lord in the context of the Orthodox Church. And then, you know, a couple of years later, after uh, Krista and I got married. Um, you know, Krista grew up in the Orthodox Church. Her dad's a priest. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually the priest of the church I walked into oh. in Calgary. So there's like a full circle. What a connection, yeah. Well, that, the Lord does that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing. But um, later, our, our priest came to us and said, um, we need you to be a reader in the church. It was like a formal role around the scriptures, reading the scriptures in the services. And I was like, okay, all right. Like, And it was once again that calling, I think that, all of us who have felt that at different points in our life, 
it's like, okay, the Lord is calling. Are you going to be available? Right. Are you going to say no? And I think there's a lot of things that make us sometimes feel like we should say no, but, um, but I said, okay. And then later they said, okay, we need a deacon in the life of the, in the church. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to do, and I was working for the government. Like it was like a different, and um, Chris and I prayed about it. Yes. Okay. And then later they said, um, look, we really need a priest. <laughs> you know? So uh, I was like, okay. Uh, and Krista, her dad was a priest. She knew what she was getting into. And so uh, we wow. prayed and, and I was ordained to, to the Holy Priesthood in the Orthodox Church um in 2011 okay so okay yeah so it's like a the breadcrumbs from you know can you do this to can you do that and all the way into it but you know matthew as as you're talking i just my 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 insight would be you know it's it seems like the lord had set you apart from a young age with a spiritual sensitivity and a spiritual interest, you know, when you're 15, you, you got a book on Wesley, not on, not a snowboard. Like there's obviously like something that was, that was, that the Lord was doing in your life that, you know, you would end up here. But at the time you probably didn't, obviously, you obviously didn't see that, you know, that, that story being, being woven through it all. Right. No, yeah. I think that's the way it goes. Right. Like, you yeah. don't, we don't know what life is like when we're going through it. And yeah. only looking back, you see the Lord's hands. And I think like oftentimes you're all, we're wondering, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I think like even in the context of the church as well, like even in at uh, KAC, you know, there may be people that are like, yeah, the Lord is doing something in their heart. Yeah. And, and you know, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, it's a good opportunity for people just to reflect and say, okay, yeah. w- Lord, what are you calling me to do? Yeah. You know, that's so, great. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think one of the fascinating maybe connections is as evangelicals, you know, I, I drive by an Orthodox, a Ukrainian Orthodox church every day uh, on the way home. And it's kind of this, like the architecture is a little bit different. Uh, and yeah. most people in Kamloops would know where I'm talking about. And you kind of drive by it. And it's kind of this like, mystery like what goes on in there and the sign outside just says divine liturgy and then the dates of it you know and so there's just kind of this mystery around orthodoxy and what this all is so for for us evangelicals we're kind of i kind of see this like we're like the kindergarten class and we're sitting down on like this magic carpet and here's an orthodox priest and we're just these uninformed evangelicals not our fault we just don't really know uh, can you bring us up to speed on what orthodoxy sure. is sure <laughs> let's do it yeah um, we need help you know yeah cuz especially here in BC um there is just it's just not super well known you know, so the Orthodox Church is just not super well known. Like we moved from Alberta and out in the prairies, like Saskatchewan, Alberta, like um, my wife, Krista, she's from Saskatchewan. Everybody's a little bit more familiar with the Orthodox Church. Like you see the big church with the domes out on the prairies landscape, or, you know, one of your friends got married in an Orthodox Church and you went to the service and it was like really long and in a different language and I weren't quite sure what was going on, but it was. Um, so I think that's the experience some of the some folks in Canada have. That out here in BC, it's even like a little less culturally familiar. Yeah. Um, but like the word Orthodox is is a Greek word that means true glory, or sometimes it also is translated as as right or accurate belief or even true worship. So like that's what the word Orthodox means. 
And um, there are three main groupings of Christians in the world. So there's Orthodox, Catholics, like associated with the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And then, of course, Protestants, like from the, from the heritage of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. So, like, those are the three main groupings. And, you know, so Orthodox, uh, Orthodoxy, the Orthodox Church is one of those. And for the first thousand years or so of um, Christian history, uh, the church was basically united, more or less. And um, actually, I'm reading a really great book. I'll just mention it right now. It's called um, The Path of Christianity, The First Thousand Years mm. uh, by Father John Magookan, who's an Orthodox priest. This is a brilliant book on the first thousand years of, of uh, the history of the church. And I think for some of your listeners, it might be kind of interesting. Um, but it was, all, it was about in the, um, the 1000s that the East and West began to split apart. Yeah. And there was, unfortunately, there was this um, division in the church, uh, East and West. You know, in the, in the West, they spoke the Latin language. In the East, they spoke the Greek language. So there's like uh, not full understanding necessarily. Um, there was different sort of attitudes and mindsets. Uh, there was different ways even that the church was kind of being run. Uh, there was even some different theological issues that were emerging in the East and West. So so there was this uh, division that is we actually refer to in church history as the Great Schism. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, 1062, and so is, right? 1062? Yeah, t- 1054, 1054 is the mark. Yeah, okay. Is, the, is sort of the, the point at which actually um, the Bishop of Rome, uh, you know, the, the Pope the, of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and the uh, bishops of the East, actually excommunicated each other. So they, they really broke that communion that they had. And so we see that as, as being this sort of turning point, right, in yeah. church history. So, yeah. so that's kind of the first big division. And then uh, later on, 500 years later, you've got this uh, situation happening in the Western uh, context, which is the Protestant Reformation. And so, you know, probably a lot of the listeners at uh, KAC are familiar a little bit with that. Um, you know, Martin Luther, and they were wanting to, of course, correct some of the uh, medieval, um, you know, abuses that had emerged. And so they wanted to return to the gospel. And actually, that word evangelical is important for us to define because it really just means uh, the good news, oriented towards the gospel, the good news. And so we'll get into that. But uh, even today, Chris, like, for those of you wondering, oh, what is this Orthodox Church? Um, they say there are around 1.5 billion Roman Catholics today. There's about 800 million to a billion Protestants today in the world, if you can imagine. And there's about 300 million or maybe 350 million Orthodox okay. in the world today. That's and um, yeah, so like you, you get a sense of those groupings and like around the world. Most of the Orthodox are located in Eastern Europe or the Middle East. Mm. So that's important just to map that a bit. And um, here in North America, most of your listeners are probably going to be familiar with Orthodox Church with hyphenated cultural descriptors associated to it, like Ukrainian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox or whatever, Bulgarian Orthodox. Um, That is because in a way... It is a fulfillment 
actually of the Great Commission of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay. On the on the one hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, on the other hand, of course, the church just became associated with the places yeah, yeah. in which it, it, it lived. So all of those Orthodox um, churches, no matter what descriptor they have attached to them, they are all sharing the same Orthodox faith. Right. Um, so that faith is held in common. So if you go into the Orthodox church, whether it's Greek or uh, Arabic, Antiochian, Russian, whatever, Ukrainian, same divine liturgy, that's the main worship service of the church. So you see that on the sign. Same words, you might have slightly different musical traditions. And afterwards, they'll have different uh, delicious food served. You just decide whether you want the beet borscht or the spanikopita. Uh, it's all the same Orthodox faith. Yeah. Just, and very similarly to the way that in North America, say 150 years ago, looking at, say, the Roman Catholic Church, there would have been a French Catholic Church, an Italian Catholic Church, a German Catholic Church, a Polish Catholic Church, and so on. Right. French Catholic Church. Yes, of course, that's the way it was. Uh, and now, of course, in, in the world today, there's an incredible complexity around all of that cultural diversity. Yeah. Uh, because everybody is everywhere nowadays. Yeah. And so so this actually does present numerous challenges for us in, in mm. proclaiming Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, how do we do this properly? And as well, it also presents numerous temptations right. uh, for, for Christians because yeah. sometimes people um, so attach their cultural identity to their faith that this then presents all sorts of troubles because they almost there's a temptation to almost idolize their uh, cultural background yeah, yeah. As, if it's, uh, as if it's the faith itself. Well, no, it isn't. Right. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven and not... Yeah. Uh, in any um, uh, political or uh, cultural designation on this earth, because in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, yeah. uh, but a new creation. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there's that's the, what the Orthodox Church is. No, that's that's helpful over, overview. I think um, you know it, it was funny. I remember uh, when we were together this summer, uh, and we were with a, bu a bunch of other great church leaders, and you know a lot of them were planters, right? And so they're like, "Yeah, you know, I planted my church five years ago, or we planted three years ago." You know, even for our our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, like we're about like a hundred and ten years old, ten twenty years old. You know, and so I was talking to you, yeah. Father Matthew, and I'm like, "Well, how old is your church?" you're like thousands of years old, you know, because you would go all yeah. the way back. And it's it's just very interesting as Protestants, you know, our our lineage is about 500 years. And you would say yours is what? Yeah, the day of Pentecost. The day, the day of Pentecost, right? So again, yeah. it's just a different different framework, uh, but beautiful, like the tradition and the history yeah. that, that Orthodox yeah, gives. We'll talk about it too, but like, I mean, like we sometimes joke about, oh, sing the old hymns. Well, I'll just tell you right now, Chris, everything we sing is about 1,500 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. So there I you go. It. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, Father Matthew, lead us through the similarities between your tradition and what people would be familiar with in uh, an evangelical context like ours. Uh, you yeah. show up at a divine liturgy, or yeah, maybe the experience of of a of a, of a service a gathering, uh, but even yeah. just some of the similarities that we would share in common or have in common. Sure. Yeah. Because I mean, we share so much in common. 
Okay, so this is the starting point that we have to recognize. Yes, yeah. Um, what is our faith based upon? Well, there is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Mm-hmm. And so, but it is worth pausing and, and noting that, you know, in comparison, comparing the Orthodox Church to the evangelical tradition, we have to reorient ourselves to the word evangelical, which means good news. Yeah. The gospel. Yeah. So the centrality of the good news of Jesus Christ, his proclamation of the kingdom of God, which is here <laughs> with yeah. us. Yeah. And, um, you know, so now we have to uh, find ourselves in the gospel. And, you know, our summary, you know, I know many churches nowadays have statements of faith, you know, uh, statements of faith. And I'm sure the Christian Ministry Alliance has a statement of faith. We do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have a statement of faith as, as the Orthodox. It is the, commonly called the Nicene Creed. That's our statement of faith. Yeah. And and the thing is about that statement of faith, it was it was finalized in uh, the year 381. And um, we sing it every Sunday. Wow. And that is our statement of faith. But I think if you went through that statement of faith, the Nicene Creed, yeah. uh, you know, we believe in God the Father. Yeah. God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, earth and of all things visible and invisible. Yeah. If we went through that line by line, I am pretty certain that everybody at Kamloops Alliance Church would say, well, I believe that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. there is nothing um, in that statement of faith that we as the Orthodox believe that is our official, you know, statement, the symbol of faith is what we believe. Yeah. We could go through it line by line. We could discuss it. It's common. Okay. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. In one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten. I mean, all of those things. Uh, the Holy Spirit. I mean, all those things. Yeah. Uh, he rose again, according to the scriptures. Uh, so there is so much yeah. that we hold in common. And I, so I think we have to say glory to God yes. on the one hand yes. and, and recognize that. And I mean, so there are some who might, you know, you know, want to say, well, you guys shouldn't even be talking together because you don't share the same faith and, you know, what is what is Pastor Chris doing inviting this Orthodox priest on the Candlelit Alliance Church podcast? <laughs> you know, or, or even some Orthodox might be like, you know, why are you taking time to? Yeah. Well, it's, it's because it's absolutely what we need to be doing yeah. is to de- deepen our understanding. Yeah. Uh, of each other, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, so yes. that we know. Yeah. <laughs> that we know what we're talking about, and then. Um, so there's so much that unites us. And I think our faith in the Holy Trinity is is uh, at the heart of that. Um, and we could even get into like, maybe it's for another conversation, but even the definitions of what is evangelic- evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. You know, the British um, scholar David Bebbington talked about four characteristics of evangelicalism. Yeah. Uh, Biblicism, the focus on the scriptures. Yeah. Crucicentrism, the focus on the cross of yep. Christ. Yeah. Uh, conversionism, you need to experience yeah. uh, uh, transforming uh, redemption in Christ. Okay. And activism, you have to put your faith into practice. Well, okay, I think as Orthodox, I think all of those are, we're okay with those too. So, sure, sure. You know, so some people, even in that, um, even in that, I think it's good for us to dwell here for a moment, Chris, because like, in the similarities, even in the Nicene Creed, how do we know Christ? How do we know him? 
it says we know him according to the scriptures. That's how we know him. Yeah. So, um, you know, and his resurrection was prophesied in the law, the prophets, the Psalms, everything. So sometimes people ask me, oh, is your church a Bible-believing church? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I love the question. Yeah. I love the question. And it's a great question. I mean, so what I just share with them, I'll just give you a little bit on this, because is is every week in the Orthodox Church, in our services, we read the whole book of Psalms. Weekly. Wow. In, in Lent, we read it through twice, just for strength. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, the Divine Liturgy, that Sunday service, the communion service, yeah. is totally saturated yeah. in the scriptures. You can't go a line in the divine liturgy without running into one or two or three or four yeah. scriptural allusions or quotations. You know, so our service, which is, you know, 1500 years old, the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, is totally full of the scriptures. Right. Um, you know, and of course we put on the altar in the divine liturgy is placed the book of the four gospels because that's what we love, the words of the Lord himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So between Palm Sunday in the Orthodox Church and Easter, you know, a week, we have roughly most Orthodox parishes will serve 20 services. Wow. 20 unique services. Wow. That this is like a symphony of faith about the death and resurrection of Christ. And in those 20 services, there are, I've counted them, over 100 specific uh, scripture readings. Wow. On Holy Thursday, in the Orthodox Church, we read 12, uh, it's called the 12 Passion Gospels. So texts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the uh, death of our Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ, his life-giving passion on the cross for our salvation. And the old, the young, youth, kids, they all hold candles during that Passion Gospels. And before and after every Passion Gospel, we bow to the ground Hmm. uh, in reverence for Jesus Christ and his voluntary and life-giving death on the cross. Wow, most beautiful. Then on Holy Friday, we read Psalms all night until we start the service Saturday morning where we read 15 Old Testament readings prefiguring the resurrection. Then after that service, we start reading Acts of the Apostles until the nighttime service. And then we culminate all that with the um, prologue to John's gospel. Right. In the beginning was the word. And that is the gospel wow. we read on the night, night of the resurrection. So wow. I just, and then on the day of, of Easter, we read the gospel of the Lord appearing to Thomas and the disciples in as many languages as we possibly can <laughs> to proclaim it to all of creation. So wow. you, you tell me, Chris, uh, upon hearing that description, does it sound like uh, the Orthodox Church is a Bible-believing church? It, it sounds like you'd meet the criteria, Father Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it, but, it, it is very helpful to get that insight because it, it, it removes some of the mystery, yeah. you know? Like there is so much that we share. And there there are maybe people who would say, you know, from your tradition and my tradition, why are you guys talking together? You know, because we, we have caricature straw men, uh, yeah. you know, of, of each other's tradition. And yet, man, there's so much that we do share. So maybe a follow-up question to that would be, um, Father Matthew, what, what is the place of ecumenism um, to be ecumenical together? Like it, it, within the church, like... What strength is there as we 
hold to our distinctives, which we're going to talk about. We need to honor the fact that there is a difference, but there is something beautiful about Christians of all different traditions uniting together. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Well, ecumenism, that word ecumenism comes from the Greek words meaning full house, the full house, Mm. the whole, whole family, so to speak. And, um, you know, if we look at the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great high priestly prayer uh, in the Gospel of John, what does he say? He wants us to be one. One, yes, yeah. So the fact of our separation from each other, and, and we, you know, we just talked about the history of all that, and we did so kind of clinically. However, <laughs> um, if you look at the way the Lord talks about it, he talks about it rather with quite a bit of grief mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Mm. And he actually, he says he wants his followers to be one as he and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. So there's a disconnect, isn't there? <laughs> because um, we realize that's not the case. And, and in reality, we have to, the work of, um, of working for that unity to be realized in Christ is, you know, often part of that that task, which is described under the ter- term ecumenism. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have to acknowledge. I think there's there's a variety of ways of doing that work, and some of it can be, um, you know, I think really really faithful, really really faithful, which is to not, um, you know, we've we've celebrated. I think here some of the things that we share in common which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was recently up in Alaska, if I can tell you a little story about uh, this work, because um, it, it's part of my role. I also serve, in addition to being a, a pastor, a parish priest, I also serve with the Canadian Bible Society. And I was asked to go up to, to Alaska for a meeting of the Lausanne Orthodox Initiative. And uh, some of your listeners may have heard that name, Lausanne. What is that? The Lausanne movement was founded by Billy Graham. I think that might be a familiar name for some of yeah. your folks. Yeah. Uh, so Billy Graham and uh, John Stott mm-hmm. founded the Lausanne movement in the 1960s as a movement to promote world evangelization, you know, to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, let me tell you, the Orthodox Church is doing the same <laughs> mission. Cool. However, in 2010, the Lausanne uh movement had a meeting in Cape Town, South Africa, where, you know, there was about 4,000 people there and they had some Orthodox, um, you know, observers participating in it. And the Orthodox observers, their bishops and things, they were very impressed actually with what was taking place. I mean, it was moving to see these youth and everybody like inspired uh, to carry the good news to the whole world. And, um, However, in one of the keynote presentations, one of the speakers kept referring to traditionally uh, Orthodox countries as unreached people groups. And the bishop who was hearing that was from Egypt. Mm. It was a bishop in the Coptic Orthodox Church. And, uh, you know, he was trying to think about this in his head. How, how are we unreached? Like we were evangelized <laughs> by the Apostle Mark. Like, uh, uh, you know, like for 2,000 years, we've been Christians. Uh, so he was just like, it wasn't processing in his mind right. how like, okay, like, 
they think we're not reached with the gospel. Like, uh, I don't, it doesn't. So instead of just, here's the thing though, instead of just getting offended and walking out or whatever, he went to the leadership of the Lausanne organization. This is Archbishop Angeleos, who's the a Coptic Orthodox bishop in, in the UK. And he went to them and they had a much deeper conversation and said, we have to get to know each other much, much better. Right. Yeah. We have to deepen our faith. We have to deepen our friendship. Yeah. And so um, at this meeting in, in Alaska, where I was at, it was a meeting of this Lausanne Orthodox Initiative, which grew out of that experience. Okay, okay. And in Alaska, which is almost totally Orthodox, because of there is the first missionary movement to come from the West Coast instead of the East and yeah. is totally indigenous. The church up there is, has been indigenous for 200 years. Wow. The litur- liturgies are, have been totally in the indigenous languages. The clergy are indigenous. Cool. It's all cool. Anyway, um, the, there's a history of conflict because a lot of the, there are a lot of evangelical uh, missions that go into the villages wanting to reach people for Jesus. But they don't know the fact that those villages have been following Jesus for 200 years. (laughs) And so because the cultural context is unfamiliar to them, it has created conflict in the past, right? So the bare minimum, and this was came a part of some of these meetings, the bare minimum we can do is stop bearing false witness against each other. Yes. That's the bare minimum. Yes. I mean, at a at a much deeper level, we can grow and do this kind of work that we're doing, you know, Chris, of like saying, okay, what do we really believe? And um, deepening that. So I, I see that as being a fulfillment, I pray, of of the Lord's high priestly prayer that you we, know, be one. we could be one. Yeah. The grace of the Holy Spirit, you know. I, I like that insight, Father Matthew, like, you know, we just kind of say, oh yeah, you know, there's a schism here and then the Reformation, but but really like, it, it hurts the heart of God that we are not one and we do have, you know, characters of each other that aren't helpful uh, as as we try to, as all New Testament churches are trying to do, the Great Commission in our own distinct ways, in our own different, you know, emphases and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think, I mean, even the, even the point of this conversation yeah. Father Matthew is to promote more of a sense of of unity with people who find themselves in different Christian traditions. One of the other conversations we had was yes, all of the things that we share, and then there are distinctives, there are some differences that we do need to honor. To just to pretend like we, you know, um, we are the exact same, I don't think also honors. Um, you know, the unique contributions, systems of thought, even theology uh, of our tradition. So can you lead us through some of the differences or distinctives? Yeah. So we could just highlight some, uh, you know, because we're limited. There's a lot. Yeah, that's just its own. You know, Father Rather, we could probably do our our own season of a podcast on all these different questions. But yeah, Yeah. why don't you lead us through a Reader's Digest version of the differences? Yeah, for sure. And and there is that, actually. There is... um, on Ancient Faith Radio in the United States, uh, there is actually an evangelical pastor and an Orthodox priest who've had an ongoing uh, podcast cool. called the Areopagus for like six years or something. Oh, that's so, cool. And, but it, it's based upon friendship, especially yeah. because what, what does the world see? I mean, what do the people who are outside the church yes. see when they look at us? Great. And I think that's a very important reality we have to return to is like most people 
in Kamloops who do not know Jesus, they're like, Kamloops Alliance Church, such and such Orthodox Church, I don't know. They're all the same. Yeah, they need to experience God's love in person. Yeah. And uh, and they will only do so insofar as we are faithful yeah. to what God has called us to do. So in, in parsing out some of the differences, I would say probably one of the overarching ones is in the orthodox way of thinking, a lot of this ha- has to do with our mindset, our worldview. The Greek word in the New Testament is phronema, the mind, the, the way we see. You know, and so a lot of this has to do more so with those perspectives as opposed to like uh, concrete uh, differences. In fact, although we may debate certain things like that, but it's more about the experience of what I would call holy tradition in the life of the church. And it seems to me, uh, from my own life experience, just as a as a, a somebody who's paid attention to this, is it, from an orthodox point of view, we do not really separate scripture from the rest of holy tradition. It's all sort of one holistic life in Christ. And so we don't uh, rigidly separate uh, tradition from scripture. So tradition, we would say, is in fact the living voice of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Right. And the scriptures emerged from within that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is one area that I think is sort of overarching um, and, and deserves more reflection. Secondly, I would say we see the world from a sacramental perspective. So this is where you get a, you see a lot of the external differences. So like if, if, if one of my parishioners walked in to Kamloops Alliance Church, they'd be like, I am in a different place. It's a different world. <laughs> uh, I am in a different world. Um, <clears throat> you know, they'd see... You know, and similarly, if somebody from uh, Kamloops Alliance Church walked into Holy Apostles in Chilliwack, they would be like, "Where am I? Uh, <laughs> this is different." Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not only the liturgical character of the church and the fact the church is filled with icons, and and I'll say something about that. But like, um, it's a sacramental way of seeing the world. So, you know, for instance. I, I, how is it in the Christian Missionary Alliance in terms of the sacraments? You have baptism and the Lord's Supper. Is this right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, whereas from our Orthodox point of view, we don't even really use the word sacraments all that much. We describe them as the holy mysteries. Yes, yes. So this is the myth, the way that God uh, reveals himself to us. You know, God is the Lord and has revealed himself to us. Yeah. So the sacraments are not only baptism and holy communion, but also um, we have holy chrismation, which is that anointing with holy oil. It's sort of the personal Pentecost takes place right after baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, uh, we, of course, baptize infants. I'm not sure in the Alliance, uh, only believers baptism. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Believers baptism. So, yeah. so we baptize infants at 40 days, typically. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's probably a difference. What's going on there? That would be something to explore. Similarly, we also have other uh, mysteries of God's grace. This is how God's grace is given to us. Uh, of course, Holy Communion. Uh, we come and receive his body and blood. Mm-hmm. And we believe that the bread and wine uh, given to us in Holy Communion truly become for us by faith in a mystery, the body and blood of Christ. And that's all about John chapter 6. 
Right. Where the Lord says, if you want to have life in you, yeah. you have to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man. Yeah. And of course, people were scandalized and laughed. And But he's talking about his life. He's wanted to give us his life. Yes. And so that's, that's one area. Uh, but that's a totally sacramental way uh, of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, we give the world back to God. He gave the world to us. Mm. He created this world and gave it to Adam and Eve uh, to cherish, to nourish, to steward. And what did they fail to do? They failed to worship God. You know, yep. like if, And what is that act of worship? It's giving the world back to God. Yes. Yeah. In Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what is Holy Communion? It's giving the world back to God in Thanksgiving. Wow. And so... We say thine own of thine own. We offer unto thee on behalf of all and for all, for all of creation. So, but then of course, marriage is also a holy mystery. Uh, ministry, holy orders, ordination is also a holy minist- uh, mystery. And there are other holy mysteries. Uh, mm. Healing is a holy mystery. So we have a whole mystery of healing Yeah, yeah. Uh, based upon, you know, the gospel. So those are different. Um, the structure of the church is a little bit different, you know, uh, in the Alliance, it's more of like a, a system where the church is led by elders, yeah. right? Yeah. And whereas we have bishops in the church, you know, we have elders too. In fact, I'm an elder. <laughs> That's right. what priest means. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's a different structure. Lived experience is different a little bit. Um, we very emphasize the awareness of the prayers of the saints. So yeah. something that we are consciously focused on, aware of, you know, this is Hebrews chapter 12, the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. But we are consciously aware of that. Of course, we have icons. We pray with those holy icons. They're not idols, but they are sort of uh, a, <laughs> um, the family photo album of faith. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and also theological. They teach the scriptures. Um, and really, there's also a spiritual dimension there in, um, you know, we don't have a lot of whole lot of technology. <laughs> the Orthodox Church just kind of uses ancient technology. So whereas you've got the amazing uh, screen, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we have we have candles and icons. Right? <laughs> uh, it's very unplugged. Our worship is unplugged. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then our approach to mission is different, but um, tends to be a little bit different. Uh, yeah. it's more about less about proclamation of the gospel and more about uh, prayer. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so helpful, Father Matthew. I think uh, it, it just it creates context for some really fundamental differences of approach of thought. Um, and so, yeah, no, that that's really, really good. Uh, you talked a lot about mystery, a lot of the mysteries of of our faith. Um, this is really, as far as I understand, even in our conversations, uh, a, a real large element uh, when it comes to the, the person of God and the uh, expression of faith. Um, can you unpack that element of mystery uh, within orthodoxy and, and why it's there and, and maybe what that offers um, an evangelical or even our, our world that searches for certainty? We want to be very, very certain and so this idea of mystery is a little bit different. So maybe vamp on that for a little bit for us. Yeah, like if you go to the New Testament and you look up the word mystery, you're going to find a whole lot. Uh, you're going to find a whole lot. So I think when, when you are following the Lord for a while, Chris, and 
people begin to realize that life is it's not always easy to understand. No, no. Like, especially if you go through some hard stuff in your life. And so I think this actually is the context by which I would approach this theological question about yeah. the way, you know, Orthodox sometimes say, oh, it's a mystery. And, and this can be a little bit of a cop-out too, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, uh, some people, you know, if I'm asked something too hard or that I don't know, I could just say, oh, it's a mystery. But that's not really fair, is it? Right. You no, know, because sometimes something is revealed to us in Christ. It's in the scriptures. So you can't say, oh, you can't make a mystery, that which isn't a mystery. I mean, like, no, it's, sometimes the Lord is very direct in his commandments, his instructions to us. On the other hand, you know, there are so many times in the scriptures where even Jesus talking to the disciples, he's, when he's speaking about why he uses parables, he says, for you it is to know the mystery. Mm. Yes. And, and so, or, you know, the knowledge of God's mystery, you know, Paul uses that expression, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Christ himself is a mystery. And what is that? How can God enter into this world? Mm-hmm. God's own incarnation with us is a mystery. How can mm-hmm. God, how is God with us? And you know what? I think when people go through very difficult times in this life, when they experience suffering, pain, brokenness, um, sin, we get ourselves messed up with all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> life can become pretty complicated pretty quick. Yeah, and so I think the recognition of mystery is is important for us because mm-hmm. it puts us in the right posture, which is intellectual humility, right? Um, which is to say, I don't know everything. Mm. Um, in fact, um, God's ways are higher than my ways. You know, the prophet Isaiah I think said that, right? Like, I mean, like, who can know the mind of the Lord? Mm. So on the one hand, you can you can commit yourself totally to knowing the Bible and all that, but you're still going to come up with mystery at the end because there's stuff we don't know. Mm. Mm. And so I think it's a it's a there's a we have to acknowledge this. You know, I don't think I think the word I think being a Christian is is um, impossible with being a know it all. Mm. We can't know it all. Yeah. In this life. If somebody says they know it all, they're not telling you the truth. Yes. Um, you know, when you sit with somebody as a pastor, Chris, you know, who's experiencing grief, loss, mm-hmm. pain, hurt, does it help them to give them the precise, uh, you know, theological answer? Maybe it does. I mean, maybe for somebody, yes, they need that. But I think for a lot of people, they just need presence. Yes. Now, that's not to say that doctrinal precision doesn't matter or anything like that. It's just to say there's a lot that we don't know. Even in the divine liturgy that we serve every Sunday, there's actually a line in there that says, we thank you, O Lord, for that which we know and that which we know not. Right. So it's acknowledging uh, just that posture of humility. So mm. I think that's what I would say about that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, even I think the spirit of of the way, for instance, that um, the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy, or in some other ways, like don't get into arguments about words with people trying to score points with you on yeah. the internet. Yeah, like I don't think Paul said on the internet, but like. Um, <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. is there any value in that? Like, Mm -hmm. spiritually speaking, I've never encountered anybody who was like, and my heart was transformed because I was beaten in an argument on the internet. (laughs) Yes. No, like, no. Mystery is, is, is standing um, with God. Mm -hmm. You're being present with him. One thing I ask to the Lord, one thing I ask that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Mm. Behold the fair beauty of the Lord. You know, when it comes to worship, that is it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is it. Yes. So, um, yes. I like it. I, I think for me as an evangelical, and we talked about kind of the, the evangelical epistemology uh, rose out of enlightenment thought, which was a real emphasis on rationality. Um, yeah. So, you know, I I, I got a, a certificate in uh, in apologetics recently, and one of the one of the little courses modules I had to take was it was literally called solving the problem of evil. And what is that? It's it's a yeah. certainty. We can solve this mystery. And there, there's something about that I think is 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 good. Yeah. We want to think deeply about the, the the ways of God in the middle of human experience in, in suffering. But yet there's a, there's a um, there's a hubris behind it as well that somehow we can arrive at this place of solving this problem. Whereas I think in my interactions with you. Uh, and the and, and the orthodox emphasis on, on mystery and and I like what you said it's humility there's a, there's a humility a posture of humility that I think um, was almost a salve to my soul that I don't have to know everything and as a pastor I don't have to sit with somebody and lead them through in a linear argument about the ways of God in, in their life. And I, so I, as I interact with you, mm. uh, I, I think that's, a, that's an enormous contribution to us as evangelicals that we can learn from to embrace the mystery of faith more than what we do. Yeah, and, and I, that, you know, Chris, I think that's a very good point. And I think it goes back to that expression, people don't care how much you know mm-hmm. until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And the reality is God did not give to the world a theological treatise. Yeah. He gave his son. Mm. You know, he spoke in many ways through the prophets and all that, but then he spoke to us through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the word that speaks more powerfully than any argument ever can Mm -hmm. because he's love. Mm-hmm. And a great a 20th century Orthodox saint, a holy person, um, said, um, I love, therefore I am. Uh, not, I think, not I think, therefore I am. Yeah. The Descartes uh, uh, thing from, you know, the Enlightenment philosophy. Yeah. No, no. He said, the nature of our being is not rational, rationality. Mm-hmm. The basis of our being is love. Yeah. We were created in the image of God. Yeah. And the image of God is a communion of persons in love. Yeah. So good. That's a mystery though. You're not going to solve the problem of evil and you're not going to solve the problem, the mystery of the Holy Trinity. You can only enter that through love. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's so good. Uh, Father Matthew, we're going to have to cut so much that I would yeah. love to go in in on. Uh, yeah. There's just so much good stuff here. I think maybe one of the last questions um, I would ask is as we emerge from a global pandemic, as you are a church leader in Canada, yeah. tell me about your hope, your passion for your church in Chilliwack, the mission that God has you on, and for the church in Canada. One of the unifying, if there is a unifying theme in this season of our podcast, it's kind of what is the what is the church in a post COVID world in 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 our in our in our local in our parishes and in our yeah. you know in in our country. And so, talk to me a little bit about your your passion for your church and the church in Canada. Yeah, I love our church. We um, we we helped establish this church in 2015, and uh, we made it through the COVID pandemic. I mean, it was very harrowing, difficult for all of us. We couldn't be together for all those uh, many months, you know, of, of trying to worship in various formats, you know, that are challenging. I got a question. So through the pandemic, did you ever, I, I'm, I'm guessing the answer is going to be no, you, you did not facilitate uh, the Lord's Table, Holy Communion on the internet. That's only embodied, right? Yeah. So, so what we would do is we, um, I would serve. You have to have faithful there. So I'd have my wife and my son. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then what we do is we would provide opportunities for people to come. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, either individually or household by household because that met the requirements. Oh, man. Um, but you understand this takes a lot of extra time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. so, so throughout that whole time, there was an immense growth in, in pastoral labors. And um, so that was, that was real. Mm-hmm. Um, getting through that, you know, having... Um, you know, for us, our, our Paschal services, our Easter services, resurrection are so important to us. Yeah. And and that was gone for two full years. So, I mean, we did serve it in an online format, um, you know, and tried to, tried to do it as best we could. Um, however, what we come out of that experience with is not taking it for granted, sure. not taking for granted mm-hmm. the power of presence. Yeah. Not because we are totally incarnate in our, you know, I talked about the sacramental worldview, that worldview. Yeah. It has much. to be yeah. in presence. And what happened to, you know, and actually prior to the pandemic, we were on a real sort of grow, our community was growing a lot and like it was good, healthy. Yeah. And then it's like, bam, Ooh. nope. Yeah. Uh, you're like brick wall. Yeah. And then after the pandemic, um, we get back, we're allowed to be back for services. We're kind of going through the whole thing. And then our church flooded in the terrible floods of the Fraser Valley right. uh, last November. So, uh. like, so all the space, we, we usually host meals after all of our liturgies uh, because we also fast before the before receiving all the communion. So like people are hungry, so you got to do a meal. Well, It's great to connect with people. On the other hand... Um, we couldn't do that for an extra year. So we just were back in there now. Ugh. So um, I don't know about you, uh, Chris, but as a pastor, have you ever prayed for patience? <laughs> Often. I'd, 
I, I, it's dangerous because <laughs> you get, you get opportunities to practice. So, um, this is not the work that we're called to, even though it is the apostolic work that Christ sent his disciples out to do, making disciples of all nations, um, is, is rarely glamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, it's not sometimes fun, but it's sanctifying. And what I have come out of it with is a firmer conviction. And this is my prayer for the whole church is that we would see the fruit of the spirit as the indicators of our success, Mm. of our faithfulness to the mission God has given us. And so I just remind our community again and again and again, this is about love, joy, peace, right. and so on. Yeah, patience. Oh man, that is the fruit of the spirit. Mm. And so, anyway, that's that's my hope, and that we can keep on doing that. And and I think that's the hope of the church in Canada is that we would be formed into the people of the fruit of the spirit, which is the very person, ministry, teaching of Jesus, right? And. Uh, and yeah. and that that I think in a, in a very very trying time that the that Canada has gone through that we're still going through, um, you know I, I hear we're headed to recession. You know what what does our world need, man? It needs more of Jesus. What is Jesus? The fruit of the spirit, yeah. you know. And um, may that be so of your community and of mine. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So maybe last word, Father Matthew. What would you want to leave with us? Is there anything uh, you just want to reemphasize or get to something that we didn't get to? I want to want to give you that opportunity. I think just in you know uh, bringing this together, I'll share the words that the bishop or uh, gave to me when he ordained me. Usually, the bishop lays his hands on the new priest and ordains yeah. them, and I think it speaks to some of the things we've been talking about: of the calling of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said to me your job is to get it of the way Mm. so that people can see Jesus. Mm. And I think that is the mission of the church is to be the body of Christ in such a way that people don't see us. They don't see, um, see, you know, you, Pastor Chris, me, they see Jesus. They see his body Mm -hmm. being given for the life of the world. Uh, to set people free, to heal the sick, uh, to redeem those who are lost, to set the captives free. Uh, that's what Jesus does. That's what he's always done. He's still doing it today here in Canada, mm-hmm. in Kamloops, in Chilliwack. Yes. And uh, and we want to be a part of it. So yeah, that's what I'd share. Oh, man. Amen. Father Matthew, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your time. Uh, I just can't speak enough... Um, blessing and favor for you and and Krista and, and Basil and your community uh, as you lead in Chilliwack in your unique area of, of Christendom and your unique area of the world. Thank you so much for uh, investing into our community. I think, I, I think that our listeners will be better for it as we try to be, as you said, as Jesus prayed, that we would be one uh, together. Thank you so much, Chris. Awesome. If I was to highlight one thing from the conversation I had with Father Matthew is let's remember Jesus's prayer. In the high priestly prayer, Jesus prays that we would be one. The followers of Jesus would be one as the Father is one. And my desire for our community is that we would be people who think well and love well. 
So we want to acknowledge the ways that in which we're different. There is some differences between Protestant evangelicalism and the Orthodox Church, but we want to come and celebrate the ways that we are the same in which we love Jesus and we want to make him known. So Father Matthew is a great gift to us Protestants because he makes his tradition intelligible and accessible to us. So I really want to thank Father Matthew for his courage and willingness to jump on to the podcast. So what's coming up next? We are welcoming Jason Ballard onto the podcast. Jason is a senior leader at The Way Church in Vancouver, a new church plant that is doing such great work in an urban secular environment. He's also a senior leader with the Canadian Church Leaders Network. I'm friends with Jason and I can't wait for you to get to know him a bit more to see really how gifted he is how passionate he is for Jesus and the church in Canada. So that will come out in a few weeks, so don't miss out. As always, check out our website, kac.ca. Check us out on social, Facebook, and Instagram. If this is helpful for you, send it to a friend. Give us a positive review wherever you got this podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.